0: Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. So someone recently asked me a question. And, when, um, and they were asking about... The, the, their question was, do we do Ash Wednesday? And, and I said... You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that tradition, but that tradition is, uh, involves going to the priest and, and recognizes you go into a, a time. And I, and I said, priesthood is about an intermediary between you and God. And we have an understanding from scripture that we are priests. And so I wanted to explain that today. There's nothing, nothing evil about getting the, the Ash Wednesday mark, but the question was why, as, as a church, do we not practice that? And I said, well, because it is based in this need to go through someone else to reach God. We recognize that God has empowered us. So let's look at what the scripture says about this. First Peter, chapter two. Verse 4 through 10. No, oh, I'm only going to read 4 and 5. It says, As you come in the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into spiritual a spiritual house. Say it with me. I am, I am. A, spiritual house. a spiritual house. Another verse says, You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. It says, To be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, many of you guys know that I spent years as a missionary in Mexico. In fact, I was born on the mission field when my parents were missionaries in Mexico. Now, if you didn't know this, 72% of Mexico self-identifies as Catholic. It means that there's a lot of people who are part of the Catholic Church. And in the Catholic Church, they don't have a pastor. What do they have? A priest. And I remember being asked one time, but, well, you know, when they discovered that I was a pastor, um, they said, so, so are you a priest? And I remember explaining it one time. I said, well, you know, in a Christian church, we refer to the priest as a pastor. But that's not exactly the same because priest isn't just a title. Priest is a function. Okay? The Bible said that you and I have a, are to be a holy priesthood. That doesn't just mean you get another title. How many of you have a title other than Mr. or Mrs.? You'd have like doctorate or or something like that. We, We recognize some titles just, they're just a title. I was reading the other day and it was like the Royal Family of Denmark changed the titles you know, they, they, these people don't get to call themselves princes and princesses anymore. Like, well, how does that affect their daily life? None. It just changed their title. But a priest is a function. I'm going to read the definition of a priest. It says, a priest is a religious leader authorized to perform the sacred rituals of a religion, especially as a mediator, mediatory agent. When's the last time you used the word mediatory? Mediatory a mediator how many of you heard that term before a mediator is someone who it's a stand in between the most common use of a mediator in our culture would be divorce i can't communicate and get to accomplish things by communicating with them i'm going to put someone in between who is going to be an in between to help us communicate or to accomplish an, to in that case achieve an agreement it says an a mediator agent between humans and one or more deities now of course that 's referring to a priest as it would be applied to any religion. The Bible says in first 9 of First Peter, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are a priest, who once was not a part of God's kingdom, you are now, once you had not received mercy, but you have now. God created us to have a relationship with him. And I wanna, I wanna go back and I wanna look at, you guys have heard, if you've been here for very long, you know one of my favorite passages of scripture is found in Acts 17 when Paul explains what, the, what God did and why he did it in a short little synopsis. And he says in verse 24, he says, God made the whole world. And then two verses later he says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Your purpose, you have have many purposes, but your main purpose was to seek out and have relationship with God. God made us for relationship. What did God do with Adam and Eve when he first made them? Does anybody remember? The Bible says that after they sinned, he came down and he was going to walk with them in the cool of the day. He wanted relationship with them. Now, here's something interesting. When we read the Bible, how many of you guys have re- grew up here in Bible stories? How many of you remember King David, King Saul? All those stories. Oftentimes, we read the Bible, and we imagine that this is the only way things could have happened. But it's interesting when we look at Scripture, and we realize some of the stories we know weren't necessarily the only way that things could have happened. First Samuel 8, 6. When it says they, it's referring to the Israelites. But when they, the Israelites, said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to him, listen to all the people are saying to you, it is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. Do you guys remember that story? In that situation, the Israelites said, we wanna be like the other nations. We want to have a king. And God told them, he said, I don't recommend it because if you ask for a king, that king is going to tax you. He's going to create uh, armies with your sons and and husbands and you're gonna have to pay taxes and you're going to regret it someday. And what did the Israelites say? We don't care, we wanna be like everybody else. Give us a king, give us a king. And what did God do? He said, okay. And he said, they rejected me. God desired to rule the Israelites directly, but they said no. And then they got kings. And we got all these Bible stories. We got King Saul. The Bible says he stood head and shoulders above everybody else, he was the tallest of the Israelites. And then he was the leader of the army when they faced Goliath. Who should have fought Goliath? King Saul. Now, God would have been with him, but King Saul didn't have faith that it would. David did. And David stepped in. We read the stories and we hear when King Saul was made king, God anointed him and his descendants to rule. And then when Saul disobeyed, God said to him and said, because of this, your descendants won't rule. And then David came. In Exodus chapter 13, verse three, Moses went up onto the mountain to talk to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and said this, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell me: Tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you out on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back. Now, what what did God just say? He said, tell Moses to tell the entirety of the Israel people that you are to be a nation of priests. What is a priest? We just learned a priest is a mediator. The priest had access to God. The people had access to the priest. But God... the entire nation of Israel that they were to be mediators. Who were they supposed to be mediators for? Everybody else. See, God's plan all along was he was trying to bring people into relationship with him. He wanted to relate with the people. He wanted to rule the Israelites directly. He wanted to have an entire nation of priests. But let's see what happened. So Moses went back and he summoned the elders to the people and he set before them all the words of the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything that the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord and the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses said to the Lord what the people had said. And then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. In the sight of who? All. All. So God says, okay, I want all of you to see me and I'm going to establish you as a mediator to others. But, can you remember what happened? You know what, and I think I've messed up and I forgot that verse. I forgot to put it in my notes, but I'll just have to quote it to you. So, the Israelites saw God come down. And then they went to Moses and they said, we don't want, we want you to go to God. We're afraid. You go to God, you tell him what he said and, and we'll listen. And so we look in scripture and we see that God set up not the entire nation of Israel as priests, but one tribe, the tribe of Levi. Why, because the people said, I don't want to go to God directly, I would rather you go for me. They missed the opportunity, they, they were, God handed to them, look, you can come to me directly. No, we want to go. So. That is when God established the Levitical laws and we saw the temple that was created with the Holy of Holies where God's presence, instead of being there where everyone could see, God's presence was on the ark and it was in the Holy of Holies. And how many of you remember that the priests would come just once a year and only the priest would go in to the presence of God? The Bible says in Revelation chapter one, verse five, it says, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from his sins with his own blood and who made us kings and priests to God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. You and I have been made priests. God established in the Old Testament that his presence would be in the Holy of Holies. Now, do you guys remember what happened? Well, I'm gonna read in verse 10:8. it says, at that time, Deuteronomy 10 verse eight says, at that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless his name to this very day. God said, okay, that's what's going to happen, I'm going to make these people the priests, they're gonna go through them. Fast forward to Jesus Christ. He comes. He's crucified on the cross. Matthew 15, 37 says, with a loud cry, Jesus braved his last and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So ever since the time of Moses, when the people said, we don't want to go see God ourselves, we want you to go for us. God's presence had been relegated to that one spot. When Jesus died, the Bible says that the veil, which was like six inches thick, ripped open from top to bottom. That wasn't a coincidence, that was God. And he did it for a reason, to demonstrate something. He was saying, you had me in a box I'm out. My presence does not require you to go through the priest to get to me anymore. Hebrews 9 explains this. And I'm going to read 14 verses. Are you ready for a big chunk of Bible? Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly sanctuary. What was that first covenant? That was the rule set up by Moses when the Israelites said, We don't want to see God directly. We want to see him through someone. He said, The tabernacle was set up, and its first room with a lamp stand and the table was consecrated, and the bread, and this was the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff, and had, that had budded in the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark was the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. That's, there's so much symbolism in that stuff, it's very fascinating. Verse six, when everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry, but only the high priest entered into the room, and only once a year, and never without blood which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people, had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing. What was the Holy Spirit showing us? Look. By this, that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed. The Old Testament had a symbolism, had all of this stuff because the true path to God's presence had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. But when Christ came, As high priest of good things, the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats or calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all. How many more sacrifices are needed? None. For all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes as a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonial unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from the acts that led to death so that we may serve the living God. Wow. Revelation 5, 8 through 10 says, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, which they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Who? Who? People from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Raise your hand if you're one of those. Okay, that's all of us. Every tribe, every people, every nation. Now look what verse 10 says. You have made them, who's them? The people from every tribe. That's us. To be a kingdom and priests to serve God. And they will reign on the earth. Listen, you and I weren't just given a title. You were given a function. Being a priest isn't just some letter you put before your name. Being a priest means that you have been given access that was formerly only available to the select few. You have been given access to God, but for a purpose, not just so that you could eat and consume and be in his presence, but so that you could share what you get with others who don't have that access yet. It's available to them. You and I are called to be the the intermediary of God's presence. One guy said it this way. He said, when I show up, the kingdom of God shows up. You and I represent God to the world. We're a part in every tribe, every nation. You know, there is, there is confusion even within Christendom about that. The Bible in the New Testament refers to the Judaizers, which were those who thought that we had to go back and, and, and follow Old Testament rules and get under the, the Old Covenant in order to still approach God today. That somehow being, following the, the Old made you better for the New. That maybe being, Jewish meant you had a closer connection to God. This, this week in the news, Ye, how many of you know who Ye is? <laughs> Kanye West has changed his name to Ye. He was in the news this week making some comments about the Jewish people. He believes that all African Americans and Africans are also Jewish. There are African Jews. Absolutely, I've met some of them. You know, just very much African. However, it comes from a mistake in understanding of Scripture, thinking that you need to be Jewish in order to have full access to God. The Bible said here, every tribe, every tongue, that they would be made priests. Are Jews priests? Some of them. Are Africans priests? Some of them. Are Dutch, Irish, English, Russian? What do we got? Every nation. Every nation. First Timothy two verse five says, "For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus." That's us. That's us. There are people from every tribe. Ephesians chapter three, verse four through six, it says, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people under, in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that the gospel is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, that's everybody who's not Jewish, and are heirs together with Israel, those who are Jewish, and members today of one body and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. We have the same rights that the Levite tribe of Judah or of Israel had in the Old Testament. Hebrews 14, 4, 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In the Old Testament, the priests would wrap a rope around their leg when they would go into the um Holy of Holies into the presence. And they wore garments that had little bells on the bottom so that if they were still moving around, it would be audible to those who were outside of that pace. How many of you remember why they did that? Because if they came in unclean, if they had not sacrificed and offered a sacrifice for their sins and the sins of the other people, they would drop dead. And nobody wanted to go in and get them, so they would pull them out by the rope. How many of you realize if you're walking in there with a rope in case you die, you are not overly confident? (laughs) That That is not the picture of confidence. But the Bible says that you and I can approach his throne, how? With confidence. There was a a teaching within Christianity for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it went like this. You need to go to church, to the priest, because only the priest can understand God's word. And the priest will explain to you what God said because only he can understand. And for a long time, they would even read the scripture in Latin, because it really didn't matter if you heard it or not, you wouldn't understand it. That, that was literally what was taught. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says this, for we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. You get that? God's word is written for you to understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 through 16. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of Christ so as to instruct him? But we... Have the mind of Christ. What this is saying is that you have God's Spirit and His mind in you to understand what is written in the Scriptures. You are called on to. Read and, and, and learn and, and comprehend. 1 John 2 7, 27 says, As you, the anointed, you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it taught you, remain in him. What am I saying? I'm saying that God has empowered each and every one of us through His Spirit when we read Scripture. There are a lot of don't raise your hand. I don't need. I'm not embarrassed anybody. But has anybody ever just thought? I don't know if I want to read that. I probably can't even understand it. I'll just go to church and I'll just listen to them explain it. God said. He has equipped you with his spirit and his mind to understand. Acts 17, 11 says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Paul was excited. Paul wasn't upset. How dare you wonder if I said the right thing. Listen. Take what I say, go back home, open the scriptures and see if it lines up. You know, a lot of times, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you'll be sitting there, you'll be listening to someone, whether it's on television or in person or whatever, and they say something and you're like, well, that seems weird. That doesn't sit right. Oftentimes that that could be the Holy Spirit. It could also be you remembering something that someone else said. So what do you got to do? You've got to learn to recognize that voice. God has equipped us as priests to hear his voice. The Empower meetings that have been happening for the last couple of weeks, that's what they've been focusing on, is learning how to recognize God's voice, how to strengthen our ability to hear and know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. This is something you have been called as a Christian to do. Notice, Paul didn't just tell everybody, no, don't don't listen to me anymore. Everybody go home and just figure it out on your own. But he said, you have the mind of Christ, you have his Spirit. When you Go to church. When you are around other believers and you are listening to what they're said, you should open the scripture. Test it yourself. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit. Hey, is that real? Is that right? Seek the confirmation of his spirit in you. I don't have a superpower. I don't. God describes the role of, of pastor not as an immediate intermediary. You don't come to me so that I can forgive your sins. You ask forgiveness from God. You don't come to church to. For me to do something for you, you can't do for yourself. We come to church to fellowship together, to be inspired to go out and do the work of the ministry. That's what the Bible says. My job isn't to do the work of the ministry. My job is to, ins- to instruct, to help equip, and to inspire you to do the work of the ministry. We, we are priests and God's representatives in the world. We are the intermediaries between God and mankind. Second Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled to the world, to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's, Ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I look back at the Old Testament and we we kind of walked through that story. We looked how God sought relationship with Adam and Eve, God sought relationship with the Israelites, and they kept saying, Mm, I would rather someone else do it for me. You want to rule us directly? No, just give us a king and, and do it through him. And, oh, you want us to be priests? No, 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 no. Just, we'll, we're, we're into you, God. We want you, but, but have someone else do it. Did you ever read the Old Testament and think to yourself, I would have done better if I was one of the Israelites? <laughs> you know, when they, 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 they crossed the Jordan like in that giant miracle, and then later they're complaining as if God isn't gonna cover them? And you're like, oh, if I was there, I would, I would have, I wouldn't have done that. But we do. God says, I invite you. Put your finger right there, point, point at yourself. I invite you to have direct relationship with me and then go reflect that to others. And what do we say? Do we, we, like, that's what Jesus, God said to the Israelites. He said, I'm making you all priests. And watch out. I'm going to show up in a couple of days on the mountain. You're going to see me. And when they saw him and the smoke and the Bible says and the, the thunder and everything, and they said, whoa. <laughs> Never mind. Moses, you go talk to God. You come down and tell us what he said. I feel like many of us Christians are doing that today. It's like, no, I mean, yep, I'm all about God yet, but I don't, I don't want to be the one. Don't, I'll do it through you. I'll watch you do it. I'll subscribe to your podcast. I'll watch your YouTube videos. You represent God. And God says, no, I've called you. My spirit, God says this, is is speaking to your spirit. The pastor doesn't have a superpower that you don't have. I don't have a more dedicated connection to the Lord. You are priests, and the Bible says you are a temple. Again, temple isn't just a title. The Bible says that he comes to live in us. You are carrying around God everywhere you go. Everywhere. He wants to use you as his example. You know what the word Christian means? Little Christ. We are representatives of Christ in the world. You are a priest. It was actually this month in, I believe, 1517, if I remember right, October 31st, 1517, when Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses on the church door. Do you guys remember that story? The 95 theses were 95 things that the the church at that time was ignoring in Scripture And one of the biggest of those was the priesthood of the believers. Because at that time, it was still being taught only certain people had access to God and you had to go to them, through them. God didn't replace the Old Testament priests with a New Testament pastor that you have to come through. I love praying with people. Love it. But I don't do a better job of it than you can. The Bible talks about the value that there is in corporate prayer. One can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. We should be going to each other and, and agreeing in prayer about things. I'm always happy to do that. But I'm not the only one who can. You and I represent God as much as I do. You can pray together. You know, I, when, when, when somebody is sick, I want to visit them in the hospital. When when somebody has a, a major circumstance happening in their life, I, I, as a pastor, I'm excited to have the opportunity to give them a call and see what's going on. But you know what? I'm not the only one. You see, when you call them up and say, "Hey, heard something's going on in your life. Can I pray with you?" You're the pastor, priest. You're the priest bringing God's presence and his will into that situation. Hey, can I pray with you? Let's speak God's promises from his word over your situation. God wants to heal that broken heart of yours. He wants to help you in that situation. Whatever, you and I are both representatives of Jesus Christ to the world. Say it with me. I am a priest. A priest. Amen. Amen. You guys are all anointed. By God, you possess this holy spirit in you. You are a priest and you are a temple. You are a temple because God's holy spirit lives in you. You are a priest because you have been ordained and anointed by God to be the intermediary between him and the world. Is that exciting? That, that's exciting. Like, I don't, I don't want to, to pass that off to someone else. God, God will let someone else do it. Over and over in Scripture, when, when people said, oh, we don't want to be ruled directly by you, give us a king, he was like, okay. If you don't want to connect with him, you want to always go through somebody else? That's not God's best for you. He has anointed you. Anybody else is excited about this? We're priests. God has called us to that relationship with him. In order to be a priest your sin has to be forgiven. Remember what it said there? It said, those of you who were not God's people, but are now, and those of you who had not received mercy, but now you have. How do you receive mercy? The Bible says in Romans 10, nine and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus died on the cross and believe in his heart your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Saved, saved from what? You're saved from the sin that had you separated from God. That sacrifice that we read about becomes applied to you. Your sins are gone. You are holy. The Bible says in, I scribbled this on the side, 2 Corinthians 23.6 said, no one is to go into the house of the Lord except for the priest because they are holy. That was the Old Testament. But you and I can be Holy. How? By accepting the sacrifice that his blood gave for us, which was once for all. If you have done that, if you have accepted that forgiveness, if you have called on the name of the Lord for salvation, I want you to raise your hand. Praise God. Those are the priests. And if you're here today or if you're watching online and you say, I want to take that step, we can do what Romans 10, 9, and 10 said. It said, confess with your mouth. So with every eye closed, just a minute, I don't want anyone to feel embarrassed, but if you're here and you say, I want to ask for that forgiveness. I want my sins forgiven. The Bible says it's by faith. It's not the magic words that we say. It's it's meaning them. But the Bible says that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart and we will be saved. If that's you and you want to do that today, I want to ask you to raise your hand. And we'll do it. I see some hands. There may also be some people watching online. Everybody, just repeat with me, especially those of you who are making this decision. Say, dear God, dear God I, believe I believe that Jesus died for my sin. That Jesus died for my I, accept that I accept that forgiveness. I choose to make you the Lord of my life. Thank you, for me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that's what the Bible says. If that was you today, at the end of service, come on down. I do have a booklet I'd like to give you. If that was you online, we have something. We'll get it straight to you digitally. Just send us a comment. Send us a private message. Whatever medium you're on, we'll get it back to you. Thank you guys so much. Um, you guys are dismissed do